0: Three podcasts NEC dance producer Kathy
1: Levy continues her conversation with Ottawa-born choreographer Ted Robinson
0: I, I want to go back to this idea of Ted the artistic director because oh, yes. I mean that is a completely different um, beast if you will than than the social dancer the Lindsay camp student the 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 guy who's jumping in the on the, in the car to go out to Banff. I mean, artistic director. Even the title comes along with so much responsibility. So that's right. How the heck did you agree to do that? <laughs> well, um, we're back to the company going through back its to the issues. Com- company was going through a
1: lot of problems. Uh, Bill Evans had taken over as artistic director. I was resident choreographer at the time. And, uh, Rachel
0: Brown had made you resident choreographer or Bill Evans? Bill
1: did. Okay. Rachel had it as well. Okay. Sorry, I was there already as, as a resident choreographer, and then uh, Bill kept me on. Okay. And another event happened in that uh, Deanne and I had a child.
0: Hmm. So
1: responsibility came upon me, and I had been avoiding it like the plague. And uh, it, it just sort of started to happen. I was 32 years old, and
0: you had a baby girl.
1: I had a baby girl, Rebecca. <laughs> And uh, we were very happy. Deanne and I were starting off. Uh, we, had, we had performed in Momentum, a duet that I'd done. And, and I had these plans of going on for um, uh, making duets for us and, and sort of doing, uh, that's how I, I saw things happening for me. And it was quite exciting. And uh, then Deanne got pregnant and uh, we settled down in Winnipeg and uh, I was doing an evening at Contemporary Dancers in the spring before Rebecca was born in July. And everything was fine. Deanne was earning $100 a week after Rebecca was born, and I was earning $100 a week uh, teaching stretch classes at at an aerobic studio, and we were very happy. (laughs) Just fine. And then that September, Bill phoned and said he wasn't coming back. And so they... Didn't do another search, because they'd just done a search, and they hauled me out of class. Uh, They being uh, Ron Kienberg and Ev Polish. Ev Polish was managing the company. Ron Kienberg was the uh, the president of the board. And they presented to me the option of taking over the company, and I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Of course. And then I remember Ev saying... You have a wife and a child, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the guilt set in. And so it took about you know half an hour, forty-five minutes, and and I said, okay, I'll I'll do that. <laughs> so the reluctant leader was was there. So I took over. That was the twentieth anniversary season.
0: Wow! And was it the season already set,
1: or did the have- season was already set.
0: Okay, so all of a sudden you're on everybody's radar screen. I mean, I remember this. Yeah. I was at West working for a company and I remember hearing about you taking over the company. Of course, I didn't know at the time that you were the reluctant artistic director, but uh-huh. this was a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was it was scary because I, I, there were 10 major modern dance companies in Canada at the time. When we say major, funded by the Canada Council. Right. Let's say that. Right. So um, all of a sudden there was a young 32-year-old guy taking over all the stuff with only five years of professional experience.
0: And also you you were dealing with the founder syndrome because That's if right. I remember what was going on in 1984 in Canada, we had Anna heading Anna Wyman Dance Company and Paula Ross still running Paula Ross Dance mm-hmm. Company and the list goes on. Yep. So here you are, sort of the new kid taking over from essentially Rachel. That's right. Who had was the founder of the company 20 years earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't think, Christopher certainly hadn't taken over from the Triumph Road yet.
0: No, no, no. from Toronto Dance Theatre, no.
1: And uh, I think everybody else was still in place. Mm-hmm. So I was like the, the first one to sort of break that mold. We worked out something, Rachel and I, I think.
0: <laughs> well, she still had a, 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 a stake in the company? A, a, a st- she still there. did, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I was trying to, but I was very careful. I was trying to make it my own. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't want it to be – I wanted to change the image of the company, and I had the support of the board, you know, after the first year. I, I let it go for a year, basically.
0: You let what go for a year? I'm sorry. Uh,
1: the the image of the company as it was. Mm-hmm. You know, I sort right. of let things uh, – I didn't want to change things drastically. We continued as it was planned. And then during that year, I took a look at that and said, well, do I really want to do this? Or So I kept, I kept it a rep company for the next year, but I just – Want wanted to make sure that I invited the choreographers that I wanted. I wanted to make it young, new, current.
0: What did you like best about being the head of an art- artistic company like that? What was the most wonderful thing, making those choices? You know what the
1: best thing was, was the the festival. Okay. That's what I enjoyed the most, in a sense, because oh, it was... so you're a
0: curator at heart, a yes, producer at heart. I, okay. I am,
1: actually. Right. I, I think I like that. Um, I certainly I enjoyed working with the dancers every day, but... But they were my peers at one point. And then all of a sudden I was their leader. So that that was often difficult. It was easier in 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 the later years because I felt there was a separation
0: there. In other words, when you had younger dancers come in? Yeah. Okay. And Deanne was in the company?
1: Deanne was in the company. So your partner,
0: the wife of your the the mother of your child is in the company as well, so that's an interesting issue. Yeah, Yeah, there was Yeah.
1: And uh, most of the people in the company had, remained there and were there for the six years I was artistic director. A lot of them.
0: So but you, but you brought in some new young ones as well. Had to, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. That's and did you start of.
0: the festival? Uh,
1: it was, it was Bill Evans's sort of idea, but it wasn't really a festival. He was he put it on as a show, and he and it was basically to celebrate the twentieth anniversary. He called it a Festival of Canadian Modern Dance, and he invited three people to share a show with contemporary dancers. Okay. And that was all that he had planned to do. It wasn't an ongoing thing. Okay. So what we did was that we took it off the season, and we made it a separate item. We raised money separately for it. It was uh, started off as two weekends and and some a couple of uh, dates in between. And...
0: What was the first year that you did it in that format? Was it eighty-seven or eighty-eight?
1: No, it would have been eighty nineteen eighty-five. Nineteen
0: eighty-five. So before yeah. the same year as the Festival International de started in Montreal.
1: There we go. Okay.
0: And um, two years before the annual Canada Dance Ca- uh, Dancing Canada conferences morphed into to the Canada Dance Festival. That's right. And it was an annual event, was it not? It was an annual event, yeah. In May or something, if May. I remember correctly? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was the thing you liked the most? I think so.
1: I think that was the thing that, that and also helped the company the most. So I, it, it was the, I wouldn't say it was the easiest job, but it was the one that was the most different for me. Maybe that was what it was, was that I was more used to choreographing and dealing with dancers in studio, And I didn't particularly like dealing with the administrative aspect of the company. You know, meetings every morning and blah, blah, blah. And Publicity was fun, but, you know, there was things like that weren't particularly interesting for me. But the festival was like sort of something that was new and different for me to do, and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much.
0: Did you get a chance, I guess, to create a community in Winnipeg around the festival because you got to invite other people and... Was, people came and presented their work and hung out. And That's right. People
1: used to stay at our house. We used to have people from the attic to the main floor. We used to have the whole Montanero Dance Company used to come <laughs> and stay at our house um, because they wanted to save on they, – they, they invested, I think, two or three years, and, and our money wasn't tremendous, so anything that they could – if they could save money, they would. So we would pay them a fee, but they had to pay their hotel and per diem out of that. So they would say, well, "Can we stay at your house?" That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's stories with uh, even Susan Mackenzie staying up in the attic and that kind of thing. It was fun. It was lots of fun. It was it was a great community, and everybody who uh, came to visit, it was it was fun because I welcomed. The, I I would be there at the airport for most of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like my it's like what I do at the farm now. It's like I invite people to my home and I felt like Winnipeg was was that and the, the Gas Station Theater and eventually Manitoba Theater Center so it was it was I think I, I'll, maybe it's not about presenting and producing. It's more about uh, hotel management.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about... Um,
1: innkeeper. You
0: know, bringing the people that you love and care that's about... Right. Yeah. ...into, to share a creative environment.
1: That's, that's it. And the, the other thing was, is that, that the first year I was in Winnipeg, Toronto Dance Theatre came and, and on tour, and I think self-presented at the Playhouse. And I went and I was all excited... And there were, I think, 40 people in the audience oh gosh, yeah. in a 1,700-seat house. And I went, oh, my, what, 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 what's to be done here? So I think that, that was, that's what I remember as being a catalyst to say, we have to create an audience not just for contemporary dancers, but we have to create an audience for contemporary dance. Mm-hmm. So that was my, my and, and it's, I felt that they needed to see the best of the best in Canada. So that's what I tried to do.
0: And you ran the festival for... How long did the festival survive?
1: Uh, I think it survived a year, maybe two two years after I left okay. Winnipeg.
0: Okay, okay. But it really was. I mean, you know, even today, unfortunately, Winnipeg is not um, a busy presenting town that's right and I think that that festival was one of the most unique opportunities not just to showcase contemporary dancers in Winnipeg as you say but also to bring so many people from the country that's right into that environment yeah. and Winnipeg's one of the most friendly cities that there is so I imagine that even beyond your fantastic uh welcome and okay that you know people just feel great when they're there
1: yes they always said that I'm, and that's may true. always happen to be sunny and warm and and like the best weather at that time across Canada would seem to be in Winnipeg. We were very lucky.
0: That's good. That's quite something. So now you you, you decide to leave. I, I'm, I'm just sticking to the chronology because it's such an interesting career path because now here we are in 2009 and your life situation and how you practice your art and um, how you are a choreographer and a dancer is very different. Mm -hmm. The hotel management part might be the same. (laughs) We'll get to that in a few minutes. But, you know, you've got this wonderful job. I mean, so many people stay in those situations for years and years, and understandably.
1: I was very worried when I left um, because what happened was after the first year, just a very short story, after the first year I went to Ev and I said, I don't like this job, I want to leave. And she said... You can't. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) No, I'm teasing. She said.
1: But basically what she'd said was she, she sort of, well, she said this. She said, do it for five years. And if in five years you feel the same way, you can leave. So I did it. The, the, wow, the, that must have felt years.
0: incredible after one year wanting to leave. How she says, do it for five more or four more? Did, you, did the first uh, year count?
1: I, th- I think maybe the first year counted. Okay. In fact, I, yes, the first year counted. And you so, stayed for six. So, so I stayed for six. But okay. I, so I, at the end of five years, I said, I still don't find a job. <laughs> <laughs> Can I leave now?" And she and
0: there was she kind of had we, to say yes.
1: Well, we tried in different many different ways. There was you know nobody wanted me to leave because there was no reason for it except for my own artistic dissatisfaction. It was just too too much stress for me to to keep up and and create under that much stress to run a company.
0: So the you used the word happy
1: mm-hmm. when you
0: moved back to Winnipeg <laughs> and Rebecca was born. So yeah. what happens what happens there? I mean, is it is the frustration of all that administration just something that makes an artist less happy? It's hard to create when you're not happy, I to think, some degree.
1: Well, for me as well, I think it's responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think the more responsibility I'm given, and, I'm, and I've given, I've been given many, many opportunities throughout my career. I'm, I'm very grateful for those opportunities. And it seems that each time I'm given, the, the greater the opportunity, the more I feel like, oh, <laughs> like I, I need, I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. So it's like that kind of thing. I'm not sure exactly what kind of psychological. Uh, mm-hmm. Problems I have, but but I seem to be much happier in a, in a very simple, <laughs> simple kind of situation. Yeah,
0: and, I, and I I just heard my, myself say that you know it, it's it's a nice environment to create when you're happy. But of course, many artists are yeah. maybe stereotypically creating more from angst. So yes. yeah. so what do you think of when you think back to the works you made in those in that period?
1: Well, I think it's quite interesting because I I always held to the adage that it takes ten years to be a choreographer, and that's Martha your Graham. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Ten years so. to
0: be a dancer, ten years to be a choreographer.
1: And so I looked at that as my training period and I that's when I had the most money, <laughs> the mm-hmm. most dancers, mm-hmm. and the most consistent dancing, and I and I sort of cut my teeth on these Huge hour-long works that uh, that many props and costumes and, you know, pipe bands and, you know, everything
0: I could many throw in Many things on your head. Yeah, many things. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah. I, I always thought of you as somebody for whom the uh, concept of balance was one of the most fascinating ideas. Well, I am a deeper. I know that, yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So so I do think that those were huge experiments and I'm not sure if they were successful. Certainly, Winnipeg loved them, and I'm Canada, Dance, that, Festival and Canada Dance Festival loved we them too. Canada Dance Festival loved them too. We had a yeah.
0: wonderful time bringing the yeah. company in those days, and it was very yeah. well received. People loved the humor and yeah. the pathos, and yeah. absolutely.
1: And I look back, and there's and there's always moments that I love, and that's what I look back on all my work, and I say, well, I love this moment, and I love this moment. There's not one full piece that I sort of love from beginning to end, but I think that that's quite normal, and. Um, I lost it, anyway.
0: But, but there you are, I mean, again, leaving all that to pursue a completely different type of expression.
1: Well, I, I left for artistic reasons. That's my main... There were many, many reasons all accumulated, but the, the one that I was really concerned about was I wanted to grow as a choreographer, and I felt like the, the pressure was mounting for me to, to... You know, the councils were saying I need to be presented internationally, the as far as I know anyways. And um, and people were the the board was wanting me to create to to cancel season and, and just do one work. And so we tried that and that's when I left. They wanted me to do it again.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: they wanted to just be they wanted me to be Edward Locke. And I said, I'm not Edward Locke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that's that was the problem. Mm-hmm. And they felt like it was a formula that if they did this then this would happen. And I think it's something that maybe artists understand and and maybe the rest of the world doesn't, is that it doesn't work that way. If you do this, it doesn't necessarily lead to this. It's not mathematics. So um, I left. And I thought I would be penalized artistically in my, you know, in in how I was funded. And it turned out, and, and in respect as well, I thought, oh, nobody's... Everybody's going to think I'm a quitter. I'm a failure. Blah 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 blah. And it turned out that and, that, that most of the my peers had great respect for me for leaving. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, oh, okay. So then I started back at, at zero, and I got my first Canada Council grant.
0: You came. You, you came back to Ottawa.
1: <laughs> I came back to Ottawa and, and was resident uh, guest artist at at the Dance Lab. Right. The group dance. The group
0: dance lab. Le group dance lab
1: and uh, did that for, for two years and started to make work
0: and when you started to make work was it mostly solo work or was it also group work with the Le Group Dancers I started
1: my first solo real solo work was um, was uh, Diane Moore in Halifax had phoned me up and said so have you got a solo I said no you, well make one because you're coming out here to perform <laughs> so, so oh, may what, she rest in peace that's you, exa- rest. you just yes, imitated
0: exactly. her beautifully that's exactly it <laughs>
1: And uh, so I got something together from my little bits of solos that I'd done over the years and and made something starting and and it involved grapefruits and shoes and other things. And I went out there and and did that and I was very grateful for her, but she really kick-started my solo career because I hadn't really thought of doing that, which is kind of interesting. And... um, then I I went for a Canada Council grant to extend that into a full evening work called anti Studies 1-21, Through 21, inviting Mark Bueva and Fiona Drinnon who had danced with me in Winnipeg uh, to accompany on me on that journey with that piece because I didn't want to do a full-length solo. I didn't know what what to do then. Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, and that worked out well? That worked out very well. It was quite fun. and uh, And it was choreographically very interesting for me. So all of a sudden... I felt that my decision to leave Winnipeg was actually a good one artistically because I could hone in. I could I, I simplified everything. I didn't have to be extravagant. I only had twelve thousand mm-hmm. <laughs> know, dollars to make a piece. But well, you could and still buy grapefruits. I could buy grapefruits, <laughs> yes.
0: But when I think back on 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 those years, let's say you know the the beginning of Ted back in Ottawa, uh, you know through to. Mm-hmm some of the projects you've done recently with the likes of Margie Gillis and Louise LeCavigne, when I think of those time periods and our lives coincided as presenter-artists, I think of, um, you know, I think of you becoming also a very important mentor and teacher Mm -hmm. but always choreographing and making really personal work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And, I wonder if there is something that you know, a freedom that you I mean, I guess quite obviously, a freedom that you gained by letting go of some of the encumbrance of of a big company. and And I just wonder how you characterize the work, if I can bulk it together in a period of time when you were when you were back here making work um, in mm-hmm. a more simple fashion
1: if I could characterize all of that work in the 90s?
0: Yeah. could it be, Is it something, I mean, obviously you could see roots of it from the work that you were making in Winnipeg because that's yes. your artistic voice. I'm yes. not saying that your artistic voice took a left turn, but, yeah. but you know, some of the ideas, some of the things I think about, we've, we've laughed about grapefruits and things on your head and the balancing, but also the use of costume and, yeah. and the interest in music and going back to some of your artistic influences mm-hmm. and the musical side, you know, the just really thematic links from, from one piece to the next. Is, is that a... You know, fair uh, assessment of sort of a bulk of work that came out in that decade. I think so as, as
1: well. What happened was that I I started to study more. I think I study the art of choreography, maybe, so that as how did I, you do that? Well, as I was mentoring more, okay, that helped me, um, and I started to establish uh, a sense of individuality of uh, that I could make it on my own. I didn't need a company. Because don't forget in the 70s, if you were a young dancer, if you didn't dance in a company, you were nothing. Mm -hmm. There was this idea out there. There was no sort of an independent dancer was a failure who didn't get um, into a company.
0: Right, good point. So So that whole sort of idea of the independent dancer that we now just accept as uh, part of the milieu really hadn't begun then. No. Interesting. And I think the
1: same thing with an independent choreographer. You needed a company. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And uh, so there was all this that that leaving the company in Winnipeg uh, in 19 – I think I left in 91 finally – was symbolic of that. It was like a big release and plus I left Deanne and Rebecca and and house and holdings and I just sold everything and and moved to Ottawa. So uh, there was all this uh, – there was a freedom but it was really a scary kind of freedom. And uh, and I've done it several times since because <laughs> it feels actually quite refreshing to sort of jump into that cold water of fear.
0: <laughs> and it's obviously worked for you because here you are so many years later still... Still active. Still active. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. So you're starting your... When you, when you think of that, when you say you studied choreography, what do you think it... What would you say to a young choreographer now? What is it? How would you teach it? I mean... There's no way to teach it. Because you have to have talent. I mean, you you have have to have that that artistic um, drive, that artistic connection.
1: That's right. And so, therefore, what you do is you try and draw it out. And if people ask you to teach them to do something, basically you don't. I think that that's what happens is that if 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 young choreographers come to me expecting to get something um it's really about what they can get out of me it's not what I can get out of them and and how they use that information and how I can be used to to uh allow them to see a different viewpoint on what they're doing the other thing that I tell them I've been telling them recently is to know your place in to recognize your place in the milieu and, not, and, and so if you're, if you're a regional choreographer, know that you're a regional choreographer. If you're a provincial one, you're a provincial one. If you're a national one, you're a national one. If you're an international one, you're an international one. But don't presume to be one or the other, and it's good to have, um, have this in mind. It doesn't mean you can change. I think you can. you can change and move up and down, but it's nice to have a perspective on, on where you stand so, that, that, so it becomes more of a real thing. And I, that has nothing to do with the art form or the creating, but I think it sort of puts things uh, into perspective for them. As far as because a lot of young choreographers think, you know, they're going to get this amount of money or these dancers, or they can they can conquer the world. And I think that they need to say, well, let's do this first. Let's put one step in front of the other.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of like. I mean, I I see that you've become one of the most sought after teachers and mentors in the country. Maybe not so much now that you're more settled at the barn. and you, maybe you're not taking up those offers as much. I don't know. We'll mm. have to hear about that as well in a few minutes. But, I mean, you really were for a long time all over the place, all over Canada, teaching workshops. And so you've left... Uh, some indelible ink all mm. over the country <laughs> you know it 's incredible, and so even though not all of those students are necessarily today 's choreographers, uh, your influence is felt in in the direction and the mm. and the exposure that you 've given them to the craft. Mm. Of course, they can have the craft, but they need the the artistic insight, as we were saying so when you look at the milieu today. Uh, you know, at the at the risk of at the risk of uh, getting you to say good and bad things, I'm just curious who's who, who's exciting you as a choreographer, and it doesn't have to necessarily be people that you've come across in some of this teaching yeah. and training, but you've certainly yeah. seen more more people than most of us, and and seen them in their process.
1: Hmm. I haven't seen that many in the last little while uh, because a lot of my mentoring stuff has been uh, recently in. Ireland, I've done Scotland, Australia, um, more in Ireland, things like that, and the Canadian ones. I'm still. To tell you the truth, I'm still looking to see somebody with a really big spark, and I think they're they're there. I think they're coming. I have a feeling that we're we're about to see a, a new burst of activity in Montreal and probably Toronto and Vancouver. I think that that there's like a. a rustling hotbed which is why it's a shame now that the arts funding is is diminishing and and being questioned and all this kind of stuff because i have a feeling that there's there's a lot of um potentially another big boom coming for canada in in dance but probably dance mixed with other things i think that the the people in their 20s coming out of of schools now they're they're coming out with tools and equipment and, and ideas and um, uh, and a drive that I haven't seen for quite a long time and excitement. They're really like going for it.
0: And are you s- seeing this, people coming out of the programs that we know, programs like mm-hmm. York, programs like SFU? Uh,
1: more programs like LADME.
0: Okay, in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing that a lot. It's, it's mostly the Latvian kids that I find uh, are quite inspiring.
0: Mm-hmm. I have to get you in to see some uh, some more dance. And you'll have to tell me about what's going on in Ireland. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard country to get to know a little bit more. Now, I, 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 I would be remiss if I didn't go back to some of your chronology, Mr. Robinson. Yes. And uh, as much as I know you don't like to be defined by this, there was a time period when you left the dance milieu uh, for less, quite yeah. a chunk of time, I uh-huh. guess. Well, that was my impression anyways, and uh, decided to study... Um, being a Zen monk. Is that an appropriate way of...
1: uh... It's it's an appropriate way of doing it, of saying it. I basically just started studying when I came to Ottawa in the the early 90s. So in 92 I started and I left the monastery in 2000. I didn't plan to become a monk. Um, It had always been another interest of mine when I was young. That that was something that I wanted to try or or I, I felt akin to when I was four or five. I think I saw a lost horizon in it.
0: <laughs> <Wow>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and went like that for the llama. So it's probably there somewhere, uh, you know, waiting to be done. And a so Scottish I to, Zen monk, maybe. A Scottish yeah. Zen monk, yeah. So I was there. It, I just sort of stumbled upon it, of course, and that's what you do with, with Zen, is stumble upon it pretty much. And um, I spent eight, well, probably closer to nine years uh, studying and six of those as a, as a monk. And uh, it was actually during that time that I, that I say I was also studying choreography. So it's, it was throughout the 90s.
0: That's all for this
1: edition of NAC Dance Podcast. Please join us next time for part three of the conversation with Ted Robinson. Please send us your comments and questions. You can email us at necpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting necpodcasts.ca. There you will find past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Until next time, this is Larry Evans saying goodbye from Canada's NAC Dance.